أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم سبح اسم ربك الأعلى الذي خلق فسوى والذي قدر فهدى والذي أخرج المرعى فجعله غثاء أحوى سنقرئك فلا تنسى إلا إلا ما شاء الله إنه يعلم الجهر وما يخفى ونيسرك لليسرى فذكر إن فعت الذكرى سيذكر من يخشى ويتجنبها الأشقى الذي يصل النار الكبرى ثم لا يموت فيها ولا يحيا قد أفلح من تزكى وذكر اسم ربه فصلى بل تؤثرون الحياة الدنيا والآخرة خير وأبقى إن هذا لفي الصحف الأولى صحف إبراهيم وموسى بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وبه نستعين ونصلي ونسلم على خاتم النبيين إمامنا وقدوتنا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا إلى يوم الدين أما بعد اللهم لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا يا كريم All praises belong to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And we seek his guidance. And we seek his assistance, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we seek refuge in Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, from the evils of our souls and the adverse consequences of our deeds. Whomsoever Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, decrees guidance upon, then none can misguide him. And whomsoever Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, decrees misguidance upon, then none can guide him. And peace and salutations be upon the final messenger, Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I bear witness that there is no one worthy of worship besides one Allah, and that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his servant and final messenger. My dear brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, I greet you with the greetings of peace. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It gives me great pleasure to be with you all in Bradford this afternoon, or should I say evening. The sun sets very early, mashallah, at this time during the year. And whilst it is my third visit to your wonderful city, a city that they say one needs to have wudu before entering, <laughs> it feels as good as the first time I visited you all. I'd like to extend my gratitude to everyone involved in making this event a reality, to Al-Kawthar 
and you all, and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the outset to make our time together an act of worship. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make this a gathering that has not come together except for His sake alone. To make this a gathering that He has a good word and follows it. And I ask Allah, Rabbul Izzati wal Jalal, Al Wahid al Qahar, to make us a gathering that is forgiven upon our departure. This gathering is indeed special, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in a hadith which is sahih, Majtama'a qawmun fi baytin min buyutillah, yatluna kitab Allah, wa yatadarasunahu fi ma baynahum, illa nazalat alayhimu sakina, wa ghashiyatum al rahmah, wa hafatum al malaika, wa dhakarahum allahu fi man indah. He said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that there's no group that come together. In this hadith, it states from a house from the houses of Allah. But the scholars say that this hadith is inclusive of all get-togethers that have come together for the sake of Allah, for the purpose of reciting the Qur'an, and the purpose of learning the lessons of the Qur'an, and learning from the inheritance of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that there's no group of people that come together for this purpose, except that Allah blesses them with four gifts. The first gift is that Allah causes contentment to befall them. And the second gift is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes this gathering to be engulfed in the mercy of Allah. Allahu Akbar. And the third gift is that Allah assigns angels to surround this gathering. Allahu Akbar. There's angels that are surrounding this particular gathering. Even though you can't see them, we believe that they are there. Because this was the teaching of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he was the one who, لَا يَنْطِقُ عَنِ الْهَوَىٰ إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا يُوحَىٰ He never said anything from his desires, from himself. Rather, everything he said was revelation. And the fourth prize. Are you ready for the fourth prize? A mighty prize. He says sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the people of this gathering to the angels that are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu Akbar. Imagine. Allahumma laka alhamd kama yanbaghi rijalali wajhik wa azimi sultanik. Laka alhamd hatta tarda. Walaka alhamd idha radit. Walaka alhamd ba'da rida. Indeed, Allah is most deserving of the most greatest of praises for allowing us this opportunity to do that act which is a means of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioning us, the King of Kings, the Lord of the worlds, mentioning us to those that are with Him, the Malaika. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us in Jannah. Ameen. My dear brothers and sisters, one cannot help but feel extra special and extra honored today for this gathering, for this series, and for this topic. For me especially, I am honored because I have been privileged to speak about a great man. A man who, mashallah, I have an echo somewhere in the crowd. A man who is considered to be a giant from the giants of Islam. A man upon whose shoulder you and I can only attempt to walk on. Allahu Akbar. A man 
who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed with insight. And an insight that was attested to by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A man who was blessed with immense strength and blessed with immense bravery. A man who lived upon the truth and was defined by the truth. And a man who spent his life defending the truth. A man who was blessed with the ability to read and write from a young age, whilst the masses around him could not. A man who grew up upon labor and hard work, and was nurtured to navigate through the laborious life of this world from a very young age. A man no other than the famous Abu Hafs, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu an. The man who earned the title, he earned the title, Al-Faruq, who is the differentiator between truthfulness and falsehood. A man, O servants of Allah, and O children of Adam, who was known to be tall, and known to be fair in complexion, and a fast walker. A man who was described to have larger hands and feet, mashaAllah. And if he ever struck you, then he was known to deal a severe blow. A man who was feared and revered, and not because of just bodily might, no, but also because of his might in standing up for the haqq and the truth, and that which he perceived as the haqq and the truth. Radiallahu an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gather us with him in Jannah. Ameen. Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an was born 13 years after the year of the elephant to a prominent family that belonged to a prominent tribe. And his father was prominent as well in that he was a representative of his clan in the well-known establishment known as Dar al-Nadwah. Dar al-Nadwah was the house of representatives, if we can use that term. A house that housed the representatives of the Qurayshi clans. And he was a father that brought Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anwal. He ensured that he was given a proper education and could read and write. And he nurtured him to be a leader and a person who could navigate that rugged and difficult desert region. For his father commanded that Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu from a young age go out and herd the camels of the family. That was Umar's job. Umar was made in charge of grazing and looking after the camels of the family. So he had to take them outside of Mecca and look after them outside of Mecca, far from the Kaaba and far from the well of Zamzam. This was the task given to Umar, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. And this should be a lesson to those fathers here today. Because sometimes, or we see, should I say, or dare I say, many a time, right? We find fathers mothering their children. And some people are laughing, did I make a mistake? No, I didn't. Some fathers actually mother their children. They don't let them do anything. They don't allow them to feel any responsibility, right? And this wasn't the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nor was it the way of those who brought up individuals that became known and true leaders. 
As parents, we must give our children responsibility. We should allow them to feel some form of responsibility. Allow them to fail whilst we are alive and around them. Because our children have very few sincere advisors. Very few sincere advisors. Right? Our children's friends' parents will not advise our children as we would advise our children. A father is a father to his child. And a mother is a mother to her child. They advise with sincerity. So as parents, to be diligent, we should ensure that we learn from the people of the past. And we take heed. And we allow them to make mistakes. And we teach them how to grow from those mistakes. Because the travesty is not in making a mistake. Rather, the tragedy is in not learning from your mistake. And rather they make mistakes whilst we are around to correct them. Than making mistakes after we pass away. May Allah preserve us in His obedience. There's a, a famous Arabic saying that comes to mind. Man Len yakum. That the one who is scared to fall will never stand. If you're scared to fall, you will never ever stand. Right? Right? So sometimes to stand, you need to experience falling. So this is a lesson we learn from the relationship between Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu and his father. And even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam nurtured within us this important concept of giving people responsibility whilst we are around. For he, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, used to allow the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een the practice of ijtihad. Even though he was around, and they could go to him and ask him for the answer. And we see in the Qur'an, يَسْأَلُونَكْ 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 They ask you concerning, and Allah would reveal قُلْ would reveal the answer. But even though he sallallahu alayhi wasallam would allow them this practice of ijtihad. After Fajr, he would ask them to relay their dreams. And then he would encourage the Sahaba to interpret the dreams. And we know how he asked Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu very famously to attempt the interpretation of a person's dream. And he famously said to him, أَصَبْتَ بَعْضًا وَأَخْطَأْتَ بَعْضًا That you are right in some parts of your interpretation, and you made mistakes in other parts of your interpretation. He was there sallallahu alayhi wasallam to do the job from the outset, but he was passing on responsibility to ensure that the sharia was left on the shoulders of men who would use it in a way that would be conducive till the day of Qiyamah, in a way that would be a means for you and I to sit here today upon La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, and have a dedicated discussion about a giant from the giants of Islam, and a legend, Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu. May Allah gather us with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and his companions in Jannah. Amin. Amin. So Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam also taught us the importance of passing on responsibility. He sent Mu'adh ibn Jabal to Yemen as a da'i, a propagator, and a qadi, a judge. And he told him, how would you fare, or how will you fare when you come across a circumstance that requires a ruling? And he said, radiallahu anhu, I will look in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if the answer is not there, then I will traverse through the sunnah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And if the answer is not there, then I will practice personal reasoning based on the information in these two sources. The two sources of Islam that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam left us with. 
the two sources about which he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Taraktu Fikum, Ma in Tamasaktum Bihi, Lentabilu Badi Abada. I've left with you two things. If you hold steadfast upon them both, you will never ever go astray. These two things are the Book of Allah, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, and the Sunnah of Muhammad, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So, Umar ibn Khattab, Radiallahu An, was given this task of managing the camels. But he didn't want to do this. His desire, his passion was to be an entrepreneur. He wanted to be a tradesman. He wanted to trade. And he went to his father. And he said, I offer me some coins so that I may go to Sham and I can engage in trading, in buying and selling. But his father refused. His father said, no, Ya Umar. No, Ya Umar, that job is for your brother. That job is for your brother. As for you, your job is to herd the camels. Why? Because you have qualities which your brother doesn't have. And he has qualities which you do not have. You see what the people of before were people of perception. Allahu Akbar, they were people of perception. So this is what he said to his son. But even then, even then, Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an never sulked like some of us would today. He was a leader in his own right. He never sulked. Rather, he practiced the command of his father with great diligence. And he did it with commitment and dedication. And he learned great values from that. For he was the one who famously said, these words that can be written in gold. I'm sure the specialists in management would love to have these words. But these are the words of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu an. He said, radiallahu an, that as for camels, pay attention. He said, as for camels, if you stay with them as long as I have, you will come to learn that these camels are in need of correct management. Allahu Akbar. That these camels are in need of correct management. Why? Because as you manage them, you come to learn that there are no two camels that are the same. There's no two camels that are the same. They have their unique temperament. They have their unique needs. They have their unique abilities. So as you work with camels, you come to learn that there's no two camels that are the same. And he said, radiallahu an, that when you are able to learn that, you will become able to manage them as a herd and at the same time look after them as individuals. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. How powerful is that statement? Right? Let's repeat it. He said that if you learn the characteristics of these camels, you gain the ability to look after them as a herd, as a team, and at the same time look after them as individuals. Allahu Akbar. What a wise man he was. Radiallahu an, and what a great man he was. Radiallahu an. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an was also blessed by Allah subhanahu wa taala with special skills in the art of horse riding, and in the art of racing, and in the art of wrestling. Not the WWF you guys uh, have come to know of the fake acting. We're talking about real wrestling. Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu an had a special skill. In fact, it was said that no one could beat him in wrestling. He was the final person that no one could pass. And he, radiallahu an, was a great supporter of the truth. A great supporter of what he perceived to be right. 
And that is why before he became a Muslim, he was a great enemy of Islam. Because Umar valued unity. And he disliked apathy. And he saw Islam as a concept that disunited homes and disunited communities. This is what he saw Islam as. He didn't understand Islam then, but he saw Islam as this. And thus, and thus, he took a great stance against the spreading of Islam to protect the aura of the Quraysh, to protect the aura of the tribes and the families. Thus, he effected a grave stance against the believers. And that was the stance of beating and lashing and punishing those who accept Islam. To deter everyone else from even flirting with the idea of accepting Islam. This is what he did. Radiallahu anhu before Allah decreed guidance upon him. In one narration it states that he stood and lashed a slave girl from the beginning of the day till the end. And Abu Bakr radiallahu watched him. And then he stopped. And when he stopped, he turned to her and said, that I have not stopped out of mercy over you. Rather, I've stopped because the hand of Umar has become tired. This was Umar. And this is how fierce he was with that which he regarded to be the haqq and that which he considered the truth. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu spent from his money and purchased the slave girl and freed her. Radiallahu anhu. And what will make us understand who Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was. But, even in his rage, brothers and sisters, this man was an upright man. How? Because once a fellow tribesman and a fellow friend looked perplexed. And Umar, being Umar and a man of vision and a man of perception, he called him and said to him, it's as if you are thinking about Islam and accepting Islam and accepting the message of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and this whole speech about worshipping one God and this whole speech about there being a hereafter. So his friend said, yes, yes. If only it would not mean that I face your lashing. Subhanallah, subhanallah. This is what his friend said to him. So Umar radiallahu an replied and said, you would indeed face my lashing, but rather I lash someone I respect than be a friend of a coward. Allahu Akbar. Look at this man. Even in his rage, he was a man who was upright. He said, I will lash you, but I would have lashed a man I respect. And that is better for me than having a friend who's a coward. I don't need these type of people around me. Radiallahu an. And it was because of this attitude and upright nature that he accepted Islam when the time came for him to accept Islam. The Islam of Umar, my dear brothers and sisters, is a well-known story. And Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam made dua for the Islam of Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu He made dua sallallahu alayhi wasallam to Allah to assist Islam with the more beloved between Umar and Abu Jahl. As he said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed for it to be Umar. Now, what's amazing brothers and sisters, and this is another point in note for us to take home today. 
And that is how Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is making dua for Umar when Umar is punishing the Muslims. Subhanallah. He's making dua for Umar, a man who is lashing those who declare the oneness of Allah and accept the prophecy of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How is this, Ya Rasulullah? Was this random activity? By Allah, it wasn't. For Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the best leader who ever walked the face of this earth. And he knew people for their qualities. And he knew the value of Umar's Islam. And he had a vision, for he was the ultimate visionary. And he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, had a vision of Islam having the ability of reaching the four corners of the world before he passed away. So everything he did was true to this vision. Thus, whilst Umar is lashing the Muslims and is a fierce enemy of the Muslims, he is making dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the Islam of Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu This is a grave lesson for us, O servants of Allah and O children of Adam. How many of us today, we practice practices that are just random activity? How many of us have come here today as random activity? This is not the way of a believer. A believer is one who does a range of activities that lead to one understood clear end. That is what a believer does. Right? That is what a believer does. If I live in Jamaica, for example, any Jamaicans in Bradford? No. If I live in Jamaica, and I want to ski. I want to ski. Can I ski? No, there's no snow there. But I have a vision to ski. When I'm on my deathbed, I want to see people skiing. Right? So what should happen? If I am clear in terms of what I want to achieve, I know which university to go to. I know which subjects to take at university which specialization to take when I'm there. Because everything I do from then onwards is a means to an end and not an end in and of itself. Today, many of us go to university and we don't know why. Who goes to university here? How many people go to university? Raise up your hands. I mean, Bradford's supposed to have a pretty intelligent community. MashaAllah. Stand up young lad, stand up for us. What's your name brother? Qasim, mashallah, that's a very powerful name, Qasim. You know what Qasim means? He divides the truth from that which is false. What are you studying in university, Qasim? Mashallah, you're an engineer. Why are you studying engineering, Qasim? You're doing a lot of thinking, ya akhi. Say that again. To improve products and services for people in the future. Why do you want to do that? Because my parents told me I should do that. Because everyone else is doing it. No, no, no problem, Qasim. Take a seat. Jazakallah khairan. It's not Qasim's fault. It's just what the situation is. It is what it is. We don't know why we're doing things. It's random activity. And that is why many a university student drops out or changes specialization after wasting two years of their life and two years of their parents' money. And we know how expensive it is to get university education in this particular country nowadays. So what we're saying is you need to do something that is a means to an end. That end which will pull you through the current means that you're in. Even if it becomes rugged, 
even if I have to herd camels, but I will continue doing it because I'm not doing this as an ends in and of itself, but as a means to an end. Anyway, that's a topic for another day. You know, being a leader and having a vision and so on and so forth. But it's important that we are visionaries because look at the legends that walked the face of this earth before us.